Next Sunday morning, we are going to begin a series on Noah. We're going to talk about Noah. A popular movie just came out recently about Noah. And we're going to take five or six weeks to look at that. And, and tonight, we're starting a series out of the book of Galatians, which we think will be fun and, and hopefully very informative. But this morning, we're in Exodus 32, if you have your Bible. Exodus is easy to find because if you can find Genesis, you flip over one book and you're at Exodus. So Exodus 32, great story Bad story, great lessons. Exodus 32, and let's begin with this. Let's look at some ways we mess up. Some ways you mess up, some ways that I mess up for sure. And these Jewish people absolutely blew it big time. Number one, we get impatient with other people. We get impatient with others. In verse 1, it says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said, Come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Now, here's here's the context. Moses has gone up to get the Ten Commandments the first time. He goes up another time, and there's a reason he has to go up twice. But he's gone up to be with the Lord. He's with God now. He's been with God now for 39 days at this point, okay? So that's what, that's a, that's a month and, and, you know, a week, close to a week and a half that he's been gone. And it's interesting in the verse, back it up a little bit, Kara, if you would. It says, when the people saw Moses was so long. You see that little English phrase there, so long. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. In Hebrew, that's one word. And literally, here's what that word so long meant. It meant, to, it meant a delay that led to disappointment. It meant a delay that led to confusion or being humiliated or being shattered. And, and the delay was unjustified, but this is what was going on in their mind and their heart that they just thought Moses had forsaken them. Now, now folks, I want to say this. There is a time when you need to quit tolerating dumb behavior from people. Maybe you have to let somebody go at work, or you have to, you're dating somebody and it's time to cut loose. Uh, you have to make decisions that some people you just can't be friends with. They are not normal and they're not going to help your life and your world. But I want to tell you, and I want you as we walk through these scenarios, I want you to think about that, this person or those people in your life today. You need to be careful about getting impatient with other people. You need to be careful about being impatient with other people. You got a second grade child today and they didn't do well in school this last year. It's probably not time to pull them out of school and get them a job in a coal mine, okay? They can recover from not doing well in the second grade. One of the things that was going to lead to a huge problem for these Jewish people, it began with this, is they lost patience with someone they shouldn't have lost patience with. Here's the second thing. We get impatient with situations, They were sitting still. They weren't moving. There was no internet connection in the desert. There was no cell service. There was no ESPN. Obviously, there was none of that. This was thousands of years ago. So they get bored. And they start to think, we need to do something. We need to act. We need to get up and we need to get moving. And certainly there is a time to move and a time to move forward and a time to move on. 
But I want to tell you, we get in trouble a lot of times at work. We get in trouble with our spouses, with our kids, our parents, even your church, your job. When your patience starts to wear thin with that situation, what situation is coming to your mind right now? What situation is God bringing to your mind right now? Folks, let, let me tell you something. And most of you know this. This is a refresher. Life is not a sitcom. On, on a TV situation comedy, you can a 30-minute show, you can have a couple who's in love, a couple who is about to get divorced, and a couple who, who reconciles in, 20, in 30 minutes, and that's with commercials. That's not life. You, you, you can take a microwave and you can cook a meal today that would have taken 50 years ago would have taken you two hours to cook and you can do it in 10 minutes we we go outside and and if our cell service or our phone service if it doesn't hit immediately to that satellite thousands of miles above you're doing what what is stupid phone stupid cell service i'm going to switch i'm going to switch and then 10 seconds later you finally get it life is not a cell service or a microwave And these people were going to make a colossal error because they got impatient with a situation they shouldn't have. Be careful. Here's a third thing that that was going on. They got impatient with God. And I'm not sure if this and the next thing are not the fundamentals of it. Let's look at this verse again. When the people saw Moses was so long, remember what that phrase meant, that they were disappointed and confused in coming down the mountain. They gathered around Aaron, Moses' brother, and they said, Come make us gods. Our God is not good enough. He's not getting it done. Who will go before us? As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. These folks got impatient with God. Things going too slow. Things not happening like they wanted it to happen. Things not unfolding like they thought that they should unfold. And listen, if you've not been in this spot, you've not followed God before, or you've not followed Him very long. I can tell you plenty of times in my life I've wondered, where is God? Why isn't God going to act? Some of you are having these thoughts today. Why is God leaving me in this situation? Why is God leaving me where I am? How long is this going to go on before God zaps them or changes the situation? I want to tell you, be real careful here. Because when we start getting impatient with God, we are, we are starting to head down a road that's going to get us in trouble. Folks, I, I read this quote years ago, and it's going to be on the screen. God's delays are not God's denials. You ought to write that down and memorize that. Just because the prayer's not being answered yet, just because you're still neck deep in the mud, just because that person or that situation is not changing yet, doesn't mean that God's not working. God's delays are not God's denials. I hate this with all my heart, but God is not on my time schedule. He's not on yours either, is he? We get impatient with God. We get in trouble. And here's the last thing. We begin to lose faith in God. We just lose faith in God. You see, the Jewish people's trust in God was disappearing. Their commitment to God was starting to wane. 
Here's what happens to you and me. That situation or that person's not going well. We don't feel like God's acting like he needs to. And so our faith in God begins to pull back. Our trust in God begins to pull back. Our commitment to God. We're not doing the things and being the person that we once were. And any time you and I start moving away from God, listen to me, it's never going to get better the more you pull away from God. Well, God's not showing up. My situation's not getting better. That person's not getting better. This thing's not going to get better. Pull away from God and write this down. It will not get better when you pull away from God. That's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. Let me give you a second big thought. These mistakes can lead us to make some bad choices. Check your heart today. If you're on this path, all of us have been on this path, or you'll be on it in the future. You get on this path, I want to tell you, it's a dangerous path. Look in verse 2 through 6 at what happened. And Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings, your wives and your sons. See, boys were wearing earrings long before the 60s. Did you get that? And your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Moses. Or to Aaron, I'm sorry. Moses is innocent in this mess. He took what they handed him and he made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf. This is so ridiculous. He fashioned it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Yeah, this fake gold calf is your God that brought you out of Egypt that you just made. When Aaron saw this, Aaron, who knew way much better than this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early. They sacrificed burnt offerings, presented fellowship offerings. Afterward they sat down to eat and drink and got up to engage in revelry. Revelry is a way of saying they were partying in a real bad way. Wow. You know, you read this story, and here's what I asked myself years ago. Why calf? I mean, I've been around cows. I, was, I grew up around cows. Cows are, I love to eat them, but they're stupid. They smell bad. Why would you worship a cow? Why not a squirrel? Why not an armadillo? Why not a possum? Why a calf? Well, here's why. They just came from where? Egypt. The chief god of the Egyptians was Apis, a bull. So I guess after all they had seen God do, now if you're not familiar with the story, God had done a ton of things for these people. And now they're saying, well, the God that we've seen do all these things and deliver us, it's not good enough, so we're going to make a fake God out of gold like they had back in Egypt, and now we're going to worship this fake God. This was the absolute biggest no-no thing they could do in the eyes of God, and that's exactly what they did. It began with their impatience and their loss of faith, and their loss of commitment. Let me tell you how this fleshes out with you and me. I don't know if you're going to make a God out of earrings. But here's some things you'll do. You'll begin to act without thinking. I want to tell you, they checked their brain at the door on this one, didn't they? Or at the cave or tent, whatever. They, they weren't thinking at all. 
And, and that's what happens with you and me. I want to read to you a story. Uh, uh, this is unbelievable. You're talking about acting without thinking. It's a true story. This was in the Chicago Sun-Times several years back. Associated Press carried it. A U.S. Airways flight from Philadelphia to Seattle, it's about a five-and-a-half, six-hour flight, allowed two passengers to carry their pet pig on the plane with them. Now, follow me. They convinced the airline it was a therapeutic companion pet, like a seeing-eye dog. The pig was allowed to sit with them in the first-class section of the plane. Obviously, these people had some money. They bought the pig three seats in first class. Passengers after the flight described the 300-pound pig. It wasn't a carry-on pig. A 300-pound pig as enormous, brown, angry, and honking. Isn't that great? He was seated in three seats near the front of the plane by his companions. The attendants reportedly had difficulty strapping him in. Well, go figure. Go figure. Come here, piggy, piggy, piggy. Yeah, like a buckle up. The pig reportedly became restless after takeoff and sauntered through the cabin. One passenger said he kept rubbing his snout on people's legs, trying to get food from them and wanting them to pet him. That's a great flight, isn't it? Upon landing, things only got worse. The pig panicked, running up and down through the economy class, squealing. Many passengers screamed and stood on their seats as the pig terrorized the plane. It took four attendants to escort the pig off the plane. Go figure. Uh, They needed some rednecks to help them figure this out, didn't they? When they got the pig into the terminal, he escaped and was later captured. When, when asked about the comment on the story, a spokesman for U.S. Airways said, we can confirm that the pig traveled, and we can confirm that the pig will never travel on our airlines again. How many of you agree they acted without thinking? Yeah, yeah. Now, on a much more serious note, although that would have been terrible if you'd been on that flight, you see, here's what happens. You get impatient. You, get, you start to get angry. So you just start doing things without thinking. People quit their marriages. They quit their job. They decide to up and move. They decide to do some things financially that are going to ruin them. They get mad. You see... Things aren't going to get better when you act without thinking. Here's the second thing that rose with this. We take things into our own hands. Boy, did the Jewish people do this. Hey, if Moses isn't going to act and if God is not going to act, well, by golly, we'll make something happen. That's what they said. And that's exactly what many of us in this room here today do also. Let me just say this. Moses was coming back in one day. One day. I could tell you some horror stories from my own life where I thought God wasn't acting and I made some decisions and a week or two later, God just said, you completely choked by not waiting. I've sat and talked to people who were married and them telling me, you know what? I wanted to get married I was older, I needed to get married, but I knew it wasn't right. And 
God was telling me no, but I just, I had to do it. And you know what? That never is good. Acting without thinking, taking things in your own hands. You, you know how many people ruin their marriages, ruin their lives, ruin other people's lives, ruin their business, ruin their church, ruin their team. When they say, well, somebody's not going to do something, I'll step up and I'll do something. I'm not trying to negate responsibility and action because we, don't, we need to be responsible. We need to act a lot more than we do a lot of times in life. But I want to tell you, when you get impatient and you get impatient with God and you say, if God's not going to do something, I will, you're going to get in trouble. About 18 years ago in Pretoria, South Africa, a horrible story came out. A man came home from work. He killed his wife. He killed his two-month-old baby, and he killed himself. And when they began to unravel what had happened, here's what happened. He lost a business contract. Lost a business contract. You cannot tell me whatever that contract was 18 years later today that, that it would have been a thousand times better for that baby, for that wife, and for him, for him not to have done that. Taking things in his own hands and acting. You, you want to mess up. Act without thinking. And then just decide that God or others aren't doing enough, so you're going to jump in there and you're going to make something happen. Be real careful. And you know, the last thing in this is just, we just move out of God's will. We move out of God's will. That's exactly what they did. Verse 7 through 9. The Lord said to Moses, Go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them. They have made for themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. Even God's going, This is so stupid and sinful. They bowed down to it. They've sacrificed to it. And have said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Verse 9, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. Anytime when you start getting impatient, you start getting frustrated with God, with others, and you start saying, I'm going to do something, you you act without thinking, you're going to move yourself out of God's will if you're not careful. Oh, can a Christian move themselves out of God's will? Absolutely. Do it all the time. Here's what happens when you move out of God's will. God's hand comes off of you. God's blessings come off of you. God's power comes off of you. So many Christians, so many churches, so many Christians who run businesses and families, you, you're, you're, you're running against the wind you're, you're, you're climbing uphill all the time because you're out of God's will. Be very careful because when you get out of God's will, things are never going to go better out of God's will. And here's the last thing. When we make these bad choices, bad things happen. Folks, this is 2 plus 2 equal 4. Bad choices always leads to bad results. Always. Bad choices always leads to bad results. Sometimes catastrophic, sometimes just it's not good. 
In verse 10, listen to what God says. Leave me alone so my anger may burn against them. I'm going to destroy them, and I'll make you, Moses, into a greater nation. We're not going to read it right now, but Moses basically begs God, and God doesn't do this. But look what happens in verse 28. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day 3,000 of the people died. Verse 33, the Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now, there's a lot of theological debate on what that means, but I want to tell you, that's not good. And in verse 35, it says, And the Lord struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf that Aaron had made. Folks, I want to tell you, if you ever hear the voice of God and he mentions bringing a plague into your life, repent immediately. (laughs) So here's what happens. You get impatient with God, with situations. You decide you're going to act. You're not going to wait on God. You, you're you're going to make something happen. You're going to get out of God's will. Bad things are going to happen, first of all, to you. It's going to happen to you. For you personally. You see, even if you're just the most selfish person in the world, doing God's life, God's way, is, is the best thing you can do for yourself. Think of how bad it went for these people because of what they did. How many of you remember the Berlin Wall? How many of you remember that? The Berlin Wall, if you, if you don't remember it, it was a, a, a wall that separated East Berlin, which was communist, and West Berlin, which was freedom. It was built after World War II. Uh, man, it was, one, it was one of the great visible signs of, of how communism of the Cold War, basically. I have actually got up here uh, some pieces, literal pieces of the Berlin Wall. Chris, raise your hand there. Chris, is, uh, his family, when he was growing up, they were stationed in Germany. His dad was. And he, you pole vaulted over the wall once, didn't you, Chris? Uh, no, you didn't do that, I don't think. Uh, but this is actual, uh, actual uh, a piece of the Berlin Wall. Ronald Reagan signed it. I'm teasing, but this is actually a piece of the... It's, it's, really, it's really pretty cool. One of the, uh, there was a lot of people killed before that thing was torn down trying to get to freedom. And, and one story I will never forget, uh, I guess maybe because the guy's name was Chris. A, a guy named Chris, he was the last person in 1989 shot trying to cross the wall. He was 20 years old, and, and uh, he was killed trying to cross over to freedom. Nine months after he was killed, the wall came down. And I remember, that was, that was 1989. The wall came down in November of 89. I can remember then thinking, because I was like 25, I, I thought, if he would have waited nine months, nine months. I know that's a woman carrying a baby, but really nine months is, is not long for a lifetime. I mean, he'd be, he'd be in his 40s today. He might have a family. He might have kids. But instead, he's, he's dead because he couldn't wait just a few more months. Am, am I telling you you're going to die if, if, you, if you do these things? You know, it's possible, but I want to tell you this. I, you're going to mess your life up. And, and here's, the, here's the really scary thing. Not only for you, but, you, but others are going to pay. You, you see, when, when the Jewish people made these decisions, it not only hurt them, but it was going to hurt their kids and their grandkids, 
Uh, it, it hurt the whole society of people. So here's what happens. You decide you're not going to wait on God. You get impatient with others. You get impatient with God. You pull away from God. You take things into your own hands because God and other people aren't doing it quick enough. You're going to end up smashing yourself, but not only yourself, you're going to end up hurting those people that you love the most. Your sin and my sin not only hurts us, it hurts those that we love the most. So I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you today to listen to what God has said to us in this chapter. And I'm going to ask you to make some choices in a moment to make the right decisions moving forward. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, man, I want you to dig in and I want you to examine your life just in these brief moments. What areas are you fixing to go off the, into the deep end? Where are you fixing to get in trouble? And pull back. Stop it. And this morning, if you're here and you're not a Christian, I want to challenge you where you're seated to give your life to Christ today. Would you pray with me? And just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And, and I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and, and that you died for me. Jesus, come into my life this morning. And, and this day, today, Jesus, I give you my life give you my life. Let me have your attention just for a moment. We're going to stand in, in a minute, and, and if you just prayed and asked Christ in your life, when we stand, would you come today? Would you come and, and talk to one of our ministers? Would you, would you seal that deal with Jesus today? Maybe today you're ready to join the church. We would love for you to. One way you can do that is when we stand, just ease out, come down front. There'll be a minister down here. We can help you with that decision. Come and join us today. Christian, maybe where you're standing or maybe at the altar, maybe praying with a minister, you need to do some repenting today of your impatience or of your playing God maybe all of us need to make some decisions that moving forward by the help and the grace of God we're going to try to eliminate those mistakes and do the right things from this point forward let's stand as God leads you we'll be down here waiting on you you come today